to say my heart is about to come out of my chest is an understatement. Um, my emotions were kind of up and down this morning a little bit. I thought for a little bit that we weren't going to have church, and so I had pretty much given up the fact that I was going to have to be next week, and I didn't, in a way, I didn't want to wait another week, go through all that, but uh, anyways, I am excited to be up here and to be able to share with you all this morning. Um, my name is Wes Miller. Um, some of you may not know me, and uh, I currently serve on the the directional leadership team here at church, and I'd like to point them guys out to you this morning because this series here, we're talking about good men, and these guys are good men. Um, their heart is for, for the Lord, and uh, so I'm going to ask you to stand up. Uh, let's go with Dwayne Miller. Is he, there he is. Stay standing. Uh, Mike Stolzfus, he's not here. Um, Caleb Stewart, Nate Miller. And then Kale leads it, and uh, it's an honor to serve on this team with these guys. Give these guys a round of applause. You can sit down. All right, so I get to show you a picture of my family. Brandon gave me this good idea. Uh, it's my lovely family, my wife, Jenny, Slater, Mason, uh, Molly, and Cruz, and uh, I'm very proud of my family there. A few things uh, about myself. Uh, I am a proud Ohio State fan. <laughs> There's the score. Oh, come on, Tice. <laughs> I had to beg him. He wasn't supposed to do that. He was only supposed to put the one up where we beat him. <laughs> Believe it or not, I used, to be, I used to be a halfway Clemson fan. And I'll just tell you this story. Because, um, anyways, it was back when I first got married, moved down here. We'd go to the games. Um, and it's like, yeah, it's kind of cool. Got it, got in, got into it a little bit. Ohio State. I wasn't really that big of a Ohio State fan at that point yet. I liked them, but then once Clemson started getting better, and they met us the one year in the bowl game, and uh, that year they took out our quarterback with a late, with an illegal hit, and pretty much ended his career. <laughs> Probably the reason we lost that game. <laughs> Anyways, we were in Ohio. Uh, for the holidays and watch with my family. We come back the next day and uh, it was late at night. We were driving back and I was kind of grumpy already because I, was, I knew I was going to have to take some beating when I get back, you know. And uh, we're driving down the road close to the house and I see this bright light shining on my storage barn. My storage barn was red. And so the closer we get, well, actually, I thought somebody was there. And the closer we got, we seen, well, actually, it was a bright light and it was shining right on the end of my barn. And my barn used to be red, but now it was orange with a white Clemson paw right smack in the middle of it. <laughs> so uh, you, can, uh, you can say my mood went from worse to real bad on that one. Um, but it was, uh, it was all good. Next morning I, did send, I found out who it was, sent a text out, and I, I'm not proud of the way I handled that whole situation. But we're all still friends and, and, and we're good with everything. We can laugh about it now. All right, so we are currently in our final week of this Man Up series, and this series is focused around the question, what does a real man look like, and what does a good man look like? And I just want to uh, say Colson, uh, Brandon Overholt, and Kale, they have done phenomenal jobs of teaching this series um, truth. That's what we need to hear today. We need to hear the truth. And uh, my toes have sure been stepped on many times, especially that that one where Brandon, uh, get, up, get up off the couch. That was a really good one. We've learned 
that a man is an image bearer of God, created to co-rule with God by working or providing and keeping or protecting everything entrusted to him with the glad assumption of sacrificial responsibility. In this statement, what we have done is we've said, let's go back to the operator's manual, the word of God. That in these pages, the word of God, there we can find out how to live our one and only best life. That there are answers for your life and for my life in his word. And I know the temptation in my life when dealing with circumstances or problems, anything that comes up, I tend to skip looking at the manual until I absolutely have to. But that never works. And why do I do this? Well, sometimes I think I know best. I know best how to handle this situation. I know best what to say in this situation. But more times than not, that never works. And I've figured out also, if left to myself, I can really screw some things up. And that's the truth. Oftentimes, other times, I try to use God as an app. You know, when we're not getting what we think we need from him, we close him down. We just swipe up. And that doesn't work either because he is the operating system in my life. And he's the operating system in your life. And he knows how all of me works. And better yet, he knows how all of me works best. And I think we need to lean into that. So what's at stake? What's the big deal if we don't, if we don't lean into the operating, let him be the operating system in our lives? Well, for one, we need real men of God in our world today. Check out these statistics. Out of 11, single, 11 million single-parent families in the U.S., single moms, 8.5 million, one in six children under the age of 18, 12.5 million, are born without a dad. Now, I don't know what that does to you when you see statistics like that. Um, in a way, it doesn't shock me. But at the same time, I mean, we as men that have dads in our lives, we are blessed. Um, we help out at a ministry in Seneca. Um, it's called The Way, and we target the high school kids, high school age kids from the Mill Hill uh, area there in Seneca. And uh, on Thursday nights there, they come to this, uh, we, we do it at the Blue Ridge, the old Blue Ridge Code Elementary School there, right close to the mill there in Seneca. And uh, they come there, we play basketball with them, the guys, the girls come also, and they teach them uh, different life skills, how to cook and stuff like that. And we have a little Bible study with them, and then we always feed them a meal afterwards. And what I found out is once you get to know these people, these guys, they don't have no men in their lives. They're out wandering in the streets, 13, 14, 15 years old, you know. Um, and you could tell they're longing for that male companionship, longing for a male affirmation. And from those statistics alone, we can quickly see the need more than ever for good men. Men that are willing to stand up. Men that love God and know who they are and what they believe. Men that are willing to lead their families and love their wives as Christ loved the church. And get this, men that are at their kids' ballgames, their piano recitals, or whatever it is. Whatever it is that they're involved in. Because if we don't go... I believe if we don't go to those events, what we're telling our kids is what we're doing is more important than what you're doing. And we only got one chance at this, guys. And I think it's so important. I know it takes effort. We're all busy. But I think it's important that we are there for our kids, especially us men. 
We need men that are invested in and caring for their garden that is entrusted to them by God, and that's your families. And why is this important? Why is this a big deal? Well, we have an enemy, Satan, who is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And it seems like more than ever he is after us as men because he knows if he can get us, then he can destroy our families, he can destroy our marriages, our churches. And his ultimate plan is to turn hearts away from God. To turn our children not only against their parents, but their church and those who want to do good to them. And just to say it, this is not the way that God had, had it designed. Over the past couple of weeks, the question we have been asking is, why did God create man and what did he create them for? And the answer is, man is created to reflect the image and character of God to those around him. Let me just read that again. Man is created to reflect the image and character of God to those around him. Wow. Let that sink in just a little bit. It means we are, to, we are created to live in such a way that points people to Jesus. And I'll be the first to admit, I fail at this miserably. Every day. This also means that our employees, our students, our players, our kids, what do they see in you? I mean, we have all screwed up many times. We're all a bunch of dudes in this room, as Kale would say. Um, and there's always someone in a, room this, in a room like this, there's always someone who is thinking, I've screwed up way too many times to get my relationship back with my wife or my kids. And there's no way that God can use me anymore. You don't have no idea what I've done back when I was in my 20s or 30s or the things I've said, the lies I've told. I'll just tell you, that's a bunch of bull honky. Because nobody, I mean nobody, can out God's generous grace to us. He never said, I want perfect people. Because if he did, we wouldn't be here. He said he wants people after his heart, wanting more of him in their lives. And what do I mean by this? These next guys that I'm going to talk about are guys, uh, character of, they're characters in the Bible. Noah, he was a drunk. Jacob, he was a liar. Moses had a stuttering problem and was a murderer. Samson was a womanizer. Jonah ran from God. David, he had an affair and actually had her husband killed. Yet God called him a man after his own heart. And I used to be a Clemson fan. So what does all this mean? Well, it means that there is hope for you and me. Um, and do you really think that God can't use you in spite of all your screw-ups? And some of us actually do think that, that he can't use us. But here's the good news. His grace is sufficient for all of us. It's not just for some. It's for all of us. And what this means for us is, as men is, because of Jesus, we can embrace this reality that man is commissioned, commanded, it's a fancy word for commanded, to co-rule with God and assume the sacrificial responsibility to work and keep everyone and everything that sovereign God has entrusted to him in his kingdom. So we are to co-rule with God. We have to remember that it's still all God's. He just said, take care of it. Look after it and keep it well, and I'll be back. So what does this mean for your life and for mine? 
It means we must actually take up and put on the whole armor of God. Kale's been talking about, I think the armor's out in the entrance way now, but the last two weeks we've been talking about the armor of God. Um, well, we need to take it up and put on the whole armor of God so that we will, we will be able to stand as a strong man, fully armored, equipped, and trained to provide and protect all that God has entrusted to us. So why should you put in the effort that it takes to put on the whole armor? Because God's goal for your life and every man in here, his plan for you is for your life to be whole, like lacking nothing, complete. And I know that's hard, sometimes hard to look at it that way. Um, you know, our culture tries to convince us of so many ways of how we can become whole. Um, on the commercials, on the makeup commercials, if you put the right makeup on, you just look so beautiful and complete. You know, or uh, if you get the right job or have the, if you just had the best kids, you know, I do. Or if you uh, get the newest boat, man, my life would just be complete, you know. Did you ever think about it on all the beer commercials? How happy everybody seems and they just seem like they're just, yeah, whole and complete, lacking in nothing. <laughs> or even some of the car commercials. And check out this commercial right here. I hate Mondays. Yeah, they're the worst. No worries, man. Everything will be all right. <laughs> yeah, man. Come on. Don't fret me, brother. Sticky bun come soon. Yeah. Wicked coffee, Mr. Jim. Julia, turn the frown the other way around. Hey, Dave, you're from Minnesota, right? Yes, I. The land of 10,000 lakes. The gopher state. So in conclusion, things are pretty dismal. You know what this room needs? A smile. Who want to come with I? Traveling along, <laughs> there's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. You guys are three minutes late. Don't be no cloud on a sunny day. Yeah, chill, Winston. Sir? Respect, bossman. <laughs> That's the power of German engineering. So anyone who's lived a few years knows that this commercial is not real life, right? We can't just buy the right car and everything is hunky-dory. We can't just fix all our problems and then expect that we won't have any problems again. We know that this is not what God was talking about when, it, when he was talking about being whole, lacking in nothing. All the parts of our life have to come together and work together. And by that, we mean this. Our heart. Our soul, mind, and strength. Our heart, it's king. It's what calls the shots. It's either answering to God or somebody else down the chain. Our soul, it's what I love. It's my emotions. It's my passion. My mind, my thoughts, it's how I think. And strength, warrior, mighty warrior, it's what gets me up in the morning and goes to work. When all these things work together and are under the command of God's spirit, then we are operating in that sweet spot that God has intended for us. You see, being up here, I'm not in my sweet spot. But I do believe that if we as men lean into God, because I've seen this in my own life, that he can align all four of these things together for his glory and for our betterment. Now the Bible is made up of the Old Testament and the New Testament. This is a historical text written over thousands of years ago. But even with its age, it still has an incredible amount to teach us. And by the way, 
We have free Bibles in the back. If you don't have any, um, please feel free to stop and get one. We'd love for you to have one. Now, Malachi was a prophet and one of the last prophets to hear from at the end of the Old Testament until Jesus steps on the scene. And from the end of this chapter until Jesus comes, there was about 400 years of silence. And here's what the verse says. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and the rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. And then there was nothing for 400 years. 400 years of people desperate to hear from God. 400 years of people saying, God, where are you? 400 years of people saying, do you not hear me? And it was just silence. Who can relate to that? I sure can. Um, I've been there. Um, About 15 years ago, I knew I was going to struggle through this one. My wife and I went through um, one of the darkest times in our married life. She was dealing with uh, major anxiety, depression. And was going through a, a spiritual crisis. Um, nights were the worst. She couldn't sleep, um, which added to the anxiety and compounded the whole situation. And I remember calling out to God and asking him, God, I need your help. Where are you? And it just seemed like he wasn't there. He wasn't answering my prayer. And this went on for a while. And one night in particular, it was especially bad. We were laying in bed, and she couldn't sleep. And so I got out of bed, and I knelt beside the bed. And I just called out to God. I said, God, I need you right now. I need you to hear me, to answer my prayer. And all of a sudden, and this might sound crazy to y'all, but I promise you it did happen. I heard a loud boom. And right at my first thoughts were neighbors beside us. Sometimes they're letting fireworks off. But this was like 11 or 12 o'clock at night. And it was like, boom. And I felt the house shake. And immediately, I felt like I had a direct passageway all the way to heaven. Like, in that moment, it was just like, it was there. And I could ask whatever I wanted to, and God was going to grant it to me. And in that moment, sleep was so important, I felt like, for my wife. Um, And so I just asked God, God, please let her be able to sleep. Crawled back into bed, and... Like, before I even got settled down, she was like, I mean, she was gone. And she slept all night long. And I don't know what I was thinking when I had that passageway. Why I only asked for sleep and didn't ask for a couple hundred thousand or something, you know. But anyways, I can look back at that event. That's a very monumental event in my life. I can look back and, and, and see that God was faithful, even when it didn't seem like he was hearing me. I was in a desert, it felt like. 
but he was faithful to me then, and he will be faithful to me now, and the same for you. When we're in them situations, let's keep walking. Don't give up. In this verse, God is speaking through Malachi, and he goes all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, where Moses was about to lead his people into the promised land. They had been wandering around the desert for 40 plus years, and he was about to lead them into the land of milk and honey. And Moses knew that when they crossed over, they were about to experience things that they had never experienced before and see things that they had never experienced before. So why, of all things, would Malachi bring this to mind here in this verse? Well, let me illustrate it to you this way. If um, you as parents are leaving for the week, weekend, and your kids are staying home, and you want them, you tell them, don't forget to do this or that or whatever, you're trying to tell them, remember to do this, you know. Well, my son uh, Slater played basketball. Almost before every game, I would text him something, some encouraging words, and then I would always tell him a couple things, you know, remember, you know, depends who we're playing, what to do here, do that, or kick that biblical donkey, you know what I'm saying? And this is what Moses was telling the people of Israel here. He knew they were about to step over, and it was about to be game time. And he wanted to tell them, remember, remember these words. And here goes these verses here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, this was very important back then, and it should be important for us today too, but like so much, they were putting them on the doorposts when you're going in and out, that you would be reminded of it. They even put it on their foreheads, that people could see it and be reminded of it. Now, today, I have... um, arranged for a tattoo artist out in the lobby for all of us. Um, if you think it's important for you to get it tatted on, your, on you somewhere, that's fine. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. But I did think a tattoo of that on your hand somewhere would be great because just somewhere to every day, I'm reminded, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what Malachi was saying to the people here was, in these words, you need to hang on to, especially when you're about to head into unknown territory. And then he goes on to verse 5, and he says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. He was just saying that one day God was going to send someone to announce that the kingdom of God is here. And it is now open and available for anyone and everyone. And that person is Jesus. And this person is going to announce that one day everyone is going to be held accountable for what they did with the kingdom that God had entrusted to them. In verse 6 it says, And he will turn the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Husbands and fathers, we have a kingdom that has been entrusted to us, and that's our families. Each of us dads has a kingdom to care for. Now, here's the takeaway from this whole series for us as men. 
If your kingdom is going to flourish, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. With everything we have, and we have to turn our heads back to doing the most important thing in our kingdom, and that's taking care of our families. We need to lead our families, teach our children God's truths, and etch those truths in their hearts. And if we don't, we don't have to. The choice is ours. But in verse 6 there it says, if we don't, there will be utter destruction. But let's fast forward 430 some years, and guess who comes into the picture? One day early in Jesus' ministry, before he had really made known his mission, and shortly after just starting his ministry, Jesus steps into the synagogue and reads this passage. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now this is the same passage that Isaiah wrote, saying that there would be a coming Messiah to change everything. And I believe that if identified, everyone here in this room is captive or oppressed or has been oppressed by sin. And there is no hope for you. But then Jesus stands up confidently and he says, I'm that man that's here to free you from your past. I'm that man that's here to free you from that sin. I'm here to free you from that hate or bitterness. I'm here to free you from what's kept you captive your whole life. I'm here to free you to love and lead like I love and lead. And Jesus says, follow me. He says, will you, will you follow me? So man, let's get up, let's suit up, and let's man up because it's game time. And it's time we take care of the kingdom that God has entrusted to us. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for your love this morning and for the truth that, that is in the word of God that you have given to us, Lord. And we just thank you for the men that are represented here in this church. There's so many good men here, God. And help us, God, that we could do well with the kingdom that you have entrusted to us, that we would take care of it, our families. We would lead our families. We would stand up for what we know is right, God. And we would love you with all our heart. Thank you, God, for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.